What's up and welcome back to Poetry Post and Politics with me, the political poet, Jamia Zarzuela. And on today's episode, I'll be bringing out one of my friends to explore how what we believe, either individually or collectively, influences the social norms, culture, and policies, especially ones that impact Black boys and Black men in our society today. Dustin Edwards is a comedian and U.S. veteran from Louisiana who received his B.A. in Sociology and a Master's in Criminal Justice at the University of Louisiana. His passion is to explore the intersectionalities of the Black diaspora and comedy, as well as bring a little bit of comic relief or comedic relief to the harsh realities of being a Black person in America. So without further ado, let's get straight to it. Uh, this is Affirmations with Dustin Edwards. This episode is sponsored by Coconut Casual, a Black-owned lifestyle brand focused on positively impacting our globe by promoting female empowerment. It's all love at Coconut Casual. And remember, if it's for us and by us, then support us. Hey, what's up, guys? It's me, Jamia Zarzuela, the political poet. And on today's episode, I have a very special guest here. And I'm really excited to dive into this conversation because um, me being a mother of two sons, me being a wife of a husband, right, in the in all intents and purposes, I really wanted to talk with somebody that did study sociology and get their perspective on it. But also too, I get to do that with, for one, a friend, and for two, um, another black man as well. So if you would like to introduce yourself, Dustin. Hey everybody, how are you doing? To uh, Mia's fan base, my name is Dustin Edwards, as she says, I'm a comedian, slash i guess um slight social activist maybe i don't know you know i do what i can but uh, army vet uh, originally from louisiana got my bachelor's in sociology in 2015 got my master's in criminal justice in 2017 from the university of louisiana shout out raging cajuns um but yeah i'm pretty excited i'm glad she had me on the show today and i'm excited to talk about some topics i don't really get to have like these discussions too much so i'm kind of excited as well so um i know that we're gonna be talking about like a little slightly softer topic for you and in regards when i say a softer topic what i mean more so is that we'll be talking about like affirmations and like what an affirmation statement is right and um normally like you're a comedian i think that like something that is common in your stand-up or at least is what you explain it is that you have people laugh at your pain and I remember one time um like maybe last week we um we were talking and you told me um a story about like when you went out on a date and the girl she kind of was just like she kind of didn't allow you to express your emotions and that's kind of what prompted this conversation okay and i, I don't I, again i don't want to demonize her i'm not gonna say she didn't allow me to express my emotions again i don't because again like we i feel like we had a heart to heart i just don't know how re- i don't know how receptive she was to it if that makes sense like, i don't know if that's something she was used to seeing like especially since i was our first date but to give you all a little bit of a backstory uh me and uh 
me and a woman I met, we went on our first date. We went to like, I'm not gonna say the specific box because then you know who I'm talking about. We went to a waterfront, let's put it that way. And uh, we sat by the waterfront and we talked and the topic of like grief came up and I was explaining how I lost my brother in 2021, uh, RIP Big Two. But yeah, so we started talking about that and I don't know, like I don't usually try to get emotional on people and usually I'm pretty good. But I don't know, it was just something about that point in time. Like, I don't know, I just, I have my moments sometimes and it was one of those moments. And yeah, I did get a bit emotional and I did start to cry. And like I said, I wouldn't say that she didn't allow me to be emotional, but I just don't know how receptive she was to it. And again, it could just be maybe she didn't like me, maybe she just wasn't feeling the vibe, but it felt almost though it was like it kind of just threw the whole, you know, vibe off kind of. And again, I, I hate that it has to be that way, but it just feels like in, a, in today's society as a black man, it's not like, I guess it's better in 2023, but it's not like socially acceptable for us to be like weak or show, you know, vulnerability in public, I guess. And imagine being like, like when I look at the definition of weakness, I don't, or when I think about what weakness is, I don't think that that's weakness. I think that that's just you being, yeah, vulnerable to a certain extent, but like you're feeling pain, like you're in pain because you have, you're grieving someone and it's not, easy um in fact i think that like when it comes to grief um you don't it the grief never um the amount of the grief the the weight of it never goes away it never lessens you just somehow with time like build i don't want to say become colder but like build more resilience to that mm. pain that you're feeling but the same amount of pain, it hits you 15 years from now. It hits yeah. you, you know, 15 months from now. And it's going to be, like, exactly as when you learned the news. So I don't really know. Like, I think that it's very interesting because something that you said um, in that conversation was, oh, like, maybe she thought I was emotionally unstable. I mean, she could. <laughs> I, I told her, I was like, yeah, I'm, I was in the military. I deployed and stuff like that. And the first thing people hit, like, when people hit you in the military and that you deploy, the first thing they think is like, oh, this motherfucker crazy. Like, he sees some shit. Like, he throw it off. And like, yeah, we all got our shit we deal with. But I don't know, again, that could have played a part into it as well. And I don't want to demonize this young lady. I really don't. Like, again, maybe I just was not her cup of tea. Maybe it just wasn't, you know, it wasn't. And that could have been the case. But yeah. we know for nine times out of ten, um, even something that I've had to deal with and something that I've had to unlearn is, like, Oh yeah, Junior, you're not giving this person space. Or this you're not specifically we're talking about cisgendered black men in America, right? So oh you're not giving this black man space um to to be able to express themselves. And then like later on, most definitely I'd like to expound on um male bodied uh people that are that are experiencing like a, a different reality that are you know non-binary or mm -hmm. um a transgender man and how their um perception of like being either a black male or a black man in america because that's a different token but today like specifically if we're talking about um like what it is that black men um have to deal with it's really kind of 
it's kind of scary when I think about it. It's daunting to me as a mother of black sons. And it's really interesting because like, like I said on the podcast, my sons are like light skinned. So people are going to be like, oh, these parents have kids. Like <laughs> they're going to be like, oh yeah, they're going to be emotional and like whatever, however you imagine Terrence Howard crying on whatever show he's crying on or whatever movie he's crying on. Like I definitely imagine people looking at them like that and and saying it's because they're light skinned and not because oh it's because their black mom really didn't want them to have to conform to mm-hmm. the standard of black men are not allowed to cry black men are not to, uh, allowed to show their emotions black men um are not strong if they if they feel and i feel like that's very inhumane and like i said i think that does stem from one of my favorite books was by ibram x kendi um, and it's called Stamped from the Beginning. And I feel like he talked about the um, inhumane treatment and standards that black people were, that was imposed on us. And that really shaped my view of how I viewed black men in general. So, and then also too, having having sons, I'd hate for, I'd hate for them to grow up um, and think that they couldn't be vulnerable. Um, and I get into, I say that, um, because for one, I imagined that I was going to have daughters. I thought that I was going to be a girl mom and I thought I was going to teach my daughter to be a girl boss. And now I have two sons back to back and my husband got that snip snip. So if I have a daughter, it's going to be from like us adopting that, that daughter. Right. So, uh, nevertheless, though, uh, I say this because like a lot of like my practice that I have gotten into and that I've explored is in doing affirmations and saying I am literally my mirror over there my mirror it has my affirmations of this of the month right and so basically what an I am statement is um, is a statement that uh, tells one that one tells themselves to affirm or declare as truth to align with them um, in their purpose and their destiny so it would be you know i am i am enough i jamia am enough but also too um it can be what someone imposes on you so um you jamia are enough and then how we talk about each other uh to someone else so you telling to you telling um someone else that she jamia is enough is also an affirmation statement and when we think of affirmation statements, we think of like, we we forget that, yeah, an affirmation statement um, that we say, you know, traditionally in a mirror is something that we try to bring light into ourselves. But we live in a society in where the collective has a, has a, a view imposed on them. And so the ton of black people, the black diaspora, um we also have to live in a world where they say um where we say like i black woman um am enough you black woman are enough she black woman is enough and we know that ain't nobody said that (laughs) in in history's time it was always something else it was always you black men are a beast that black man he you know is a beast and, and, and I feel like so all of this so kind of stems back from I know people like, like a lot of people don't want to hear this, of course, but it stems back from slavery. Like just the the way we have been conditioned as like a people. Like I like to say, there are a lot of things I see growing up. Like 
that was normalized to us, but looking back, it was not normal. It was like a slave mentality where they can come. So like I was, and like I said, that was just the what was passed down from generation to generation. So like that. So like I said, when you talk about affirmations, I like that. Like when I think, all right. So when you talk about affirmations, it kind of makes me think about like situations I've been in where I've been around like my friends, like people that I know, like I wouldn't say close friends, but like black men that are supposed to be friends with me. And I would talk about something that would be like a vulnerable moment or something that would like. That's emotional to me. Like, let's say, like for example, like relationship. I was talking about the first time I got my heart broken, and the first thing that they said was, "Oh man, this nigga and his feelings, man." Oh, can I say nigga? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> yes, you're good. It's like, oh man, this nigga and his feelings, bro. Like this nigga soft and I'm like, bro, like as a man, I can't like have my heart broken and express that that heartbreak like made me feel some type of way. And I feel like that's why so many black men have so much pent up and repressed like anger and rage and shit like that. Cause, like, and we can say like, oh, we on some hotep shit. Oh, yeah, we yeah. on some like you just want to blame the system no like historically you can see it like there's a this you can pinpoint it in history in which this is what has been taught to us and that this is what it is that we have to be so regardless if you think that like even right now if you're listening to this and you say like nah black men aren't supposed to cry what not say, like but yeah exactly but why and why why are black men not supposed to cry when literally tears exist if your body do you realize that like release that your tears itself is a toxin you're literally releasing your emotion it actually holds i think um they were able to find like cortisol or some something like literally in in tears it's salty for a reason. You know, Release I'm, it. I'm gonna be vulnerable for a second, so hopefully another black man hearing this will be like, damn, okay, maybe it is okay and shit like that. Me personally, I'm gonna be honest with you, like I've grown immensely in my later adult years. Like I've, I've really grown emotionally, spiritually. So like I'm, I'm not the same person I was 10, five, 10 years ago. So me personally, I ain't gonna lie to you. I literally would like have a point. Like if I'm just feeling overwhelmed, I'm just feeling some type of way. I literally would like just kind of seclude myself, like turn my phone off and just like listen to music and like cry, like for real. Because it really do feel good to cry sometimes. I ain't gonna lie to you. It really does. I'm, like, I don't even think that it's that black men don't cry. I think, and I know that there are some black men that don't cry because they can't, but I do think that there are black men that just won't say that they do cry. Yeah, you definitely. Like I said, like, I'm be honest, like, growing up, I never saw my father cry ever. Even when my brother died, I never saw my daddy cry. Like, that was, I saw my, that was the first time I saw my mother. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know. That, that hurts him. It definitely hurt him. Like, it definitely hurt him. But I did not see him. And again, I think he was just more so trying to stay strong and, like, like put on that front for me and the rest of my siblings and the one thing i do remember him telling me because you talked about it earlier but uh we were talking about like grief and grieving and he told me the one thing he said then he told me like time heals all wounds and it seems kind of simple but that really stuck with me because like you're right like grief never goes away but the only thing that can really help is time and like you know it's always going to be there but mm-hmm. it just it never really and i feel like the away. weight of it is the exact same yeah, the weight of it the weight of a situation is exactly the same because that's what anxiety is when i experience it, anxiety i experience as if i was in that that moment um that that thing occurred or whatever mm. happened in that moment i feel it and my body really tenses up and even if i'm not in the a situation that mimics it if something triggers me that is and a trigger can be like um if i so i grew up with uh, watching abuse right so if 
I can remember the color of the wall that my mama painted her living room and I can see like my mom get beat on pregnant and I, I know that color so like that can that me like looking at that color can be like a I can have a weird moment my mom her favorite scent back in the day was um it was apple cinnamon um so I can people might smell apple cinnamon and it might make them feel like home it makes me feel like I am trapped so like when we talk about triggers it's a real thing and when we talk about people need therapy people need to be able to experience therapy or black men need to be able to journal or black men need to be able to experience yoga if you don't want to go to like a yoga class and it's just a whole bunch of white people you're not trying to build your body but if it's a whole bunch of other black men doing it like man honestly in a wellness we, it wouldn't be fun. Let me just say this. First of all, first let me say black men go to therapy. Like I'm 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 advocating for the hashtag <laughs> black men go to therapy, okay? But I just wanna say like bro, like that's the one thing we need to get out of is like holding up that image or like that being tough image like that that machismo image I guess you could say. I just in general giving a fuck about what people think. Like I went to a yoga class one time, like first time I went, it was majority white people. I was like, bro, I don't give a fuck. I'm out to enjoy myself. Like I don't like there were people looking at me weird because like, oh, who is this nigga in here? Like, I know that's a good <laughs> thing. But I still enjoyed myself. Like I did my poses, I did cat poses, whatever the fuck. And I really felt good after. So I say like we as black men, we gotta start getting out of our comfort zone and stop letting society put us in a box and tell us like, oh yeah, you're supposed to be this and you can't do this because you're a man and you're a black man. Like white dudes go out and do all kind of shit. Nobody exactly. ever questions them and are they masculinity. We talked about DDG, right? Mm-hmm. We talked about the DDG um, briefly. Um, what he did in his song and him talking about how he was hurt and he experienced jealousy in his relationship that was overwhelming and that jealousy led to him having self-destructive moments in his relationship and he was self-sabotaging himself. We do that. We, as humans, I'm not even talking about black or white putting a color on it. Humans self-sabotage when they expe- when they're they have um, pent up um, emotions that they feel in regards to like whatever it is that they're experiencing, right? So like we can look at DDG and say again Terrence Howard and the whole raspy, <laughs> uh, stuttery voice that he be doing. Like you know Terrence Howard, he he a good actor, right? Yeah. I, I he a good actor. And so like with him, with him doing that, like I just if if art is supposed to be able to capture your truth, and art literally what it was was it reflected you know the reality of that person and art imitates life actually i think it was um ice cube that even said that it's art is reflecting the reality of the ghetto so if art is reflecting if hip-hop is reflecting the reality of the ghetto then what is what is the ghetto like what is what is dear mama what is what is actually um um what's it called wu-tang clan talking about in cream like yeah. the reason why he also too what we forget is cash rules money uh cash rules everything around me money gets the, the dollar, 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 dollar bill y'all yeah. but like also too it talked about how like oh we live in a society in which i need to get this money because i'm stuck she needs to get this money mm-hmm. but she's going to literally hold herself pimp herself out 
until she's nothing more because she was already raped because she was she already yeah. this is all that she has we look at um yg and kendrick lamar song what is it um freaking yg and kendrick lamar has a song where they talked about self-medicating that's why i really be smoking and i really be drinking Mm, I think I know yeah that's why i really be smoking and I, <laughs> what do you think he's talking about he really be smoking he really be drinking because literally in the song he's talking about how um kendrick talks about how somebody died and how he was really fucked up yg talks about how he wants to get revenge because somebody was hurting like yeah that's what self-medicating is so you can't you can't look at a, a man and say like oh or at least with ddg's case you can't look at him and say that he's a punk or he's soft yeah. And he, like, maybe I can say that that's some fucking. But he's shit. being vulnerable though. again. Like he's he's legit. And again, I ain't gonna. I'm, I'm a, I was a little bit toxic because when he first came out, me personally, I was like, man, this nigga lame as hell. But then I, I I'm, I'm just being honest. But then I had to really think about like, hold on, okay, like legit. What like, is honestly, music? Like, that's what I'm saying. It's like, hold on, he really actually like kind of. If he's sincere in his message, then yeah, he's actually like expressing like, man, this is how I feel. This is why I feel this way. And it's like, why are we like? Giving him shit for like kind of coming out and just openly expressing how he feels. I don't understand. Like, if art reflects life. Yeah, and like even with even with Rod, Rod Wave, probably one of my favorite artists. Everybody, oh Rod Wave, too emotional. His music. What does Future do? What does Future talks about doing drugs because of a bitch? Like yeah. what are we talking about? So and I, we listen yeah. to it and we like really in the club shaking our ass to it. Black but. men, especially, I feel like black men, we are more so inclined to self medicate and go down that road where we just smoke hella drugs and pop hella pills and just deal with it that way opposed to like the raw wave route of actually talking about it and expressing how you feel because i've done it before i've been in a point where i just literally would smoke blunt after blunt after blunt opposed me to talking too. about my problems you know me too like as a as a black woman um for sure like and something that i've i definitely admit is that i grew up seeing weed be normal weed was so normalized for me so i started smoking at 11 or the first time i smoked weed was 11. when i tell people that they're like wow oh, i know somebody who smoked <laughs> at nine so i mean I still, my, my dad like. started smoking at nine and he was selling drugs or like he became kingpin in his area at a really early age really um so anyway with that with that regard like yeah we get pushed on to like numb ourselves but if we're getting if J. Cole is telling you to heal yourself, if Kendrick is telling you to heal yourself, if they're making it cool, when is it? When are you going to finally embrace it and then like look at that black man's pain and not look at it as whack? Yeah. Because most definitely, just like I said on your podcast, most definitely what happened um, with um, Tom Cruise jumping on Oprah couches. Oh yeah. We just looked at that man he like he was like, saucy oh, yeah, and that was it. Girl. <laughs> oh, he was saucy, but all right, we're going to give him a pass. Nobody said anything. We look at, and then also too, we're able to like look at a cute couple and we're able to embrace the fact that their couple goals back when um, Will Smith and Jada Pinkett Smith was couple goals. We looked at it and loved it. Yeah. We loved how much he loved his wife. So why aren't we loving how much he loves his wife now? Because he's literally looking like, we say he looks like a fool while he loves his wife. Yeah, and exactly. My thing what's is, the difference? If he likes it, like, we should love it. Like, what's the... Again. Or we could just mind our business. Yeah, you just mind our business. But we like can't said, because she put it out there, but... <laughs> but at the same time... I mean, I don't know. That, that whole situation will and Jada, I just was like, bro, if you, if you have a certain... 
And yeah, I don't even know the full story. Like, I feel like we don't even fully really know the full story behind what happened to her and all this Ethical non-monogamy. Yeah, yeah. They told us what it was. But no, again, like I say, they have a, a, a set standard or a set way of how they operate in their relationship. And look, that that is completely on them. I feel like we were trying to make Will feel like less of a man. Because we like, oh man, you letting another man in your house fuck. Like, bro, y'all don't even... Again, like I said, if this had been Tom Cruise and Katie, whatever the fuck her name was, and there was an open relationship, or uh, even the Adam Twenty Two situation, you know who Adam Jump, Adam Twenty Two is, right? The No Jumper podcast dude. Yeah. So even him, I feel like he hasn't been getting as much shit, and his girl got cream pie on camera, and people didn't even. Wow. Yeah, yeah, she did, she did. Wow. And again, I'm not just go look it up. Adam Twenty Two, Lena the plug. They had like an open well, relationship. Well, Destiny. Yeah. Well, Destiny has an open relationship with his wife, and people. The reason like Destiny, he's like the blue-haired guy oh. who's a libertarian, and he talks about politics often. Um, I don't always agree what it what, what it is that he talks about, but like most definitely, I feel like with this red pill um, thing coming back, because I'm like, when did red red pill mean what red pill doesn't mean? Like, <laughs> when did red pill become into misogyny? Because when yeah. we talk about like when you think of red pill when you think of waking up and you think of the matrix when you think of who keanu reeves was in that movie did you really see did you not see him also love that woman yeah like he did you not like see he, him he was the be emotional yeah, did you like, not see him like did you not see him in his sacrificial like say, like he didn't want to sacrifice as much as he did he had no mm-hmm. choice what are we talking about he wasn't well, I said, now you got me thinking about this red pill shit. Cause, all right, I'm not trying. I'm not a pick me at all. I call bullshit when I see like men and women, but I do feel as though the level of like incel activity and just like red pill shit has like really gone through. And again, it's, it's really more given so, they don't have pussy. Yeah, yeah, that right there. Cause it's like these dudes who are bitter, and like I said, instead of like looking at yourself and be like, okay, what can I do? I like what. What do I need to do to better myself? Or like, what you know? What am I doing to contribute to the problem? You'd rather point the finger like, oh no, women don't do this and women don't do that. Modern women ain't, ain't shit, and you ain't like our grandmothers. And then, like I said, on the other side of the coin, too, you have women saying, oh men, uh, I want to be like you. You were saying one time that women want to benefit from the patriarchal rules, but not live in a patriarchy. So it's like you want someone want a man to act like a man, but. They don't want a to adhere man. a man's man, but they don't want to adhere to the patriarchal stereotype. So like I say, it's it's on both sides. But going back to the red pill shit, again, it's niggas that don't get ass, niggas that don't get pussy. I literally, <laughs> I literally, um, I can kill a spider, but I had my husband kill a spider. I mean, um, I definitely had that man kill a spider because I felt like it was his um DNA duty, mm-hmm. <laughs> like it was embedded in his in in his genes that he was obligated to kill that spider because it scared the shit out of me. Yeah. Um, and what portion of the patriarchy am I supposed to like? Like, for instance, when our when our dryer broke, I asked him, does he even know how to fix it? Because he went to start like taking it apart to fix it, mm-hmm. and he was like, no, but I'm gonna look it up. And I was like, wow, like you really have to just I and I I. That was like when it hit me, where I was like, dang, I really expect this man to fix a dryer so that he could save $100 or $150 (laughs) on somebody else, you know, fixing it for for me. And um, he doesn't even know how to do it. Obviously, like before I had a man, I knew how to change my own oil because I had, shout out to... um, Shout out to Westchester, West a Magnet. Um, it was a STEM school, so we had 
we had um auto mechanic we literally had like where you where we put my car up on the little thing and they showed me how to change my tire how to change my brakes how to change my oil different things like that so with all of that being said yeah i know how to do it I still but, definitely expect a man and, to do again, it. Again, let me just say this. I feel like there's a, a very great area when it comes to, like, gender roles. And, like, again, I'm not saying th- there's a way you can, like, let a man be a man and a woman be a woman without being toxic. Like, it's it's, it's, it's all about partnership. As you said And we're before, talking about yeah. cisgender, hetero, yeah, yeah, cisgender, normative hetero, relationships. Normative relationships. Like I said, if you want to let your husband, like, change the oil and kill spiders, like, yeah, be my guest. But at the same time, like, me as a man, that's just, like, that's just what I want to do. But if my wife feels like, oh, like, because I know there's a lot of men, they feel insecure if their wife makes more money than them or they feel insecure if their wife, like, does certain things. Like, look, I'm secure enough in my manhood to where I know I love my wife. Uh, I don't have a wife, but if I had a wife, I would know that I love her. And, like, it doesn't matter what she does, what I do. Like, I'm a man. She's a woman. Like, we have that, like, dynamic. So she can go outside and cut the grass. Like, I'm still not going to look at that. Like, of course, I want to do it. I'm not going to. But again, it's not like a big deal if she. You know what's like, hilarious? Just, <laughs> we was going on post, and Oliver didn't have his shirt on because it was a hot night, and mm-hmm. we was just driving in the car with the kids, and we obviously, you know, they do trunk inspections. Yeah. Um, and I, I ended up um, telling him like, no, 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 I'll do it. I'll, I'll open the trunk, and he didn't have his shirt or his shoes on i don't know my husband's a guala which he's literally an <laughs> island man like he's from dr and so i was just like no no no, it's cool i'll go do it and so he was like no jamia they're going to say something they're going to talk shit about me don't do it and i was like i got it and i get out the car and they said not you making your wife go open the trunk <laughs> and then he was like this lazy motherfucker and i was so surprised that the guard had said that to him yeah. because I mean, maybe, of course, they can see his rink or whatever, like, on the card. But, like, I was like, it's fine. Like, he don't have no shirt on and he they ain't got no shoes on. I'm going to do it. Yeah, so, yeah. it's cool I because I'm dressed, right? So, I think that it's, again, culturally how we see in social, um, cultural and social norms is, like, how are we viewing, like, what a man is supposed to how men are supposed to show up in yeah. situations is hilarious to me. And again, me personally, I'm I feel like I'm very progressive, but there are still certain things that I do traditionally like I feel like I'm supposed to do as a man. Like just small shit. Like if I'm walking on the sidewalk with you, I'm walking on the outside. I don't know why. Like we get hit by a car, we both gonna die, but I'll die first, I guess. But um so yeah, that <laughs> somehow like, I'm gonna protect you. Yeah, sometimes <laughs> hopefully I can like push you out the way and yeah. some shit. Like whatever. But yeah, so we go on the first date, of course like if I, especially if I invite you out, yeah, I'm gonna pay on the first date. And I don't know, it's just other things as a man I feel like I'm supposed to do. And it's not like, oh, I'm a man, it's just like me personally, I wanna do that because I want to show my partner that I care about them and that I wanna protect her as a woman type shit, you know? So we're talking about like men and women, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, in your podcast, we define masculinity, or you specifically define masculinity, and we talked about that. Do you mm-hmm. wanna give the definition of masculinity again? Oh yeah, I got it. It's right here. Okay, masculinity uh, qualities or attributes regarded as characteristics of men or boys. 
handsome, muscle, and driven. Damn, that's what the diction. <laughs> that's handsome, that, okay, muscle, and, and driven. driven. That's what masculinity is in Webster's dictionary. That's crazy. Okay. Which is like masculinity is going to be attributes associated to boys and men, right? So if attributes are associated to boys and men, then that means that we contribute to what we think is masculine. Yes. So what we, because if it's we make up, we determine what the attributes are. And also, too, I think in the definition that you gave was it didn't have anything to do with biological, like expect, like how somebody was biologically. It had to do with how someone, how we specifically um, thought of that. So, like, we are contributing to the fact that black men can't cry. <laughs> yeah, definitely so. Again, yeah, I definitely believe that. Because we refuse to believe, right? Again, it, it, it's almost a catch-22, if you will. Because, like I said, like... And I, I want to say this. I don't want to. I'm going to just speak candidly. And I'm going to try to watch the words as I can. Um, a good example. We talked about the show Insecure. I actually just recently watched the show Insecure. Good show. But the example I always think of is Molly and the dude that was like gay, right? Mm-hmm. So like, we're not gay, but see? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. We do it in our own. And we're growing as people. Right? And, and also, too, you said see. I want to say that like we are growing as people. And we are ever evolving as this world is is as well and once we feel like we got it it moves so like what i do want to say is that like for anybody that comes on the show you don't need to like be afraid to if you mess up mess up he had a gay experience yeah he had a gay experience and he Maybe. told her about it yeah he had a gay experience in college and he told her about it and then she just couldn't see past it like the only thing she saw was like oh man he gay he gay like i said and that's legit the first thing like a black woman could go to college and you said you you yourself identify as queer so a black woman could go to college she could like sleep with like 10 girls like being like eating pussy i'm sorry doing all kind of crazy shit and nobody gonna like she can come back to the world where people are like yeah you know nobody I, actually I, you know what the, but there's a catch 22 to that my friend because they think of it as for one they either some girls think of me as i'm something that they can experience experiment with other women think that i'm gross um really? and they think that i might try to hit on them and i'm like women? bitch i have standards women feel you're not women? my standard yeah so women, feel women this- so women feel some type of, again i'm, I'm some women feel some me. type of way so that i'm not that straight you're queer and you come around, they feel the type of thing that like might, looking at them, you trying to get at them. The, yeah, like they okay, might. So it's the same I've grown group. up with women that have told me like I can't, like they don't want to change around me because what? like they think that, I thought women were like, I don't want to sound ignorant, but I, I thought women were like way more comfortable in their sexuality. When Sometimes, it came to, when because like, if they if they feel like they're gonna be viewed as an object, then they don't want to. But you know what's funny is that I'll say, well, I'm not even attracted to you. And then they get offended that I'm not attracted to them. And I'm like, bitch. <laughs> that same shit happened one You're time. my friend. So, of yeah. course, I'm not going to be attracted to you. I'm able to I'm able to view you as my friend. Yeah. But men think that I'm a, oh, I get to have a threesome. Yeah. Or yeah. Men, think, men think that it's hot. So, it doesn't even. Or, and you know what? Other people think that it's just a phase. Mm-hmm. So, I'm either a phase or it's hot or I'm gross. And because of that, it's still a catch-22 because... It's like my sex, my particular sexuality is for every, it's for somebody else. Yeah. It's and like not for you me. don't get to, how do I put it? Everybody else is defining what your sexuality is instead of rather allow, yeah. rather than allowing me to come to them. But like, I'm very much so guilty of like watching a man 
do bro, some I, stuff. A dude could even, could even like kiss like, a dude on the cheek. Oh, this nigga, y'all like a nigga kiss a dick. <laughs> <laughs> and again, me personally, like I said, I'm a cis hetero male. I love women, but I don't judge anybody. If if a man wants to explore that spectrum, hey brother, I feel like you should be able to do what you want to do, and nobody should look at you any different for it. But that's not the case. If a man is bisexual in college and he comes out and tells his wife that, most likely nine times out of ten, she's not going to get him the same. But that, or let's just, I'm just saying, in the black community, at least the experience. I'm definitely that I've seen. the nine though. Like I'm, de- if my husband was to come to me and he was to tell me something, I'd be like, what? Yeah, I mean, like I said, you're in a, a, an outlier to that rule. I feel like because you know there's an anomaly every rule, but. The, the, I wouldn't break up with him, but I'd be like, what? Th- that's why I say, like, and it, it doesn't <laughs> take much. Like, I even I saw a woman online. She tweeted that uh, it was zesty for a man to smoke hookah, and she was like, it's zesty for a nigga to suck on a lollipop. I'm like, hold up. First of all, lollipops are delicious, and second, they've been smoking hookahs in the Middle East for like two thousand years. What are we years. talking about? <laughs> so you're just gonna shit on somebody's whole culture yeah. because you can't deal with it. So if a man eats a uh, a eats a banana or eats a hot dog, so you're just not gonna enjoy a hot dog. So I'm just gonna stick to burgers. Then yeah. it's in hot dogs are just strictly for women and children. And then oh, so little kids are gonna be the only ones that are sheltered from from the stereotype. And then when is that little? Because it's funny. When are we gonna stop? Lo- when is the defining moment that we stop looking at our sons as little boys and they're just children? And then they turn into something that we have to damn near groom into like something that's a good i think that it's really weird that people say oh little like my son is the man of my household yeah, that to that me is, is like weird i understand like growing in a because i grew up in a single parent household but the man of the household no he's not even a man like nah, let that boy a be child. a boy yeah well, he's a child. i've seen <laughs> that before weird. literally where it'll be like a single mother and she'll have a son and she'll almost treat him like that's her man or her husband like whoa this is getting real edible uh, for those of y'all Oedipus complex is some mm-hmm. Greek mythology shit for people but yeah this is getting real Oedipal so it's yeah. like you might need to take a step back literally I was working for the story uh, of Oedipus is that he fucked his mom by accident yeah, okay he, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I didn't look well, yeah, it was, it was what's it called my intrusive thought I had to say it. I'm sorry that's what happened man that's what happened just so you ain't gotta google it Oedipus fucked his mom but anyway, no, so when I was working for this company, I the was like... The first motherfucker? Okay, I'm yeah. done. <laughs> that was a good one. The first... I'm like, you I'm done, I'm, I'm, done, sorry, I'm, I'm done. Like, But no, no, no. So I was working for this company uh, as like a social worker, I guess you could say. And I had this case where it was like a mother. She had a single son. He was like 14 years old. And uh, she legit would be like, oh, yeah, he be going through my phone. And he get mad when he see me messaging other men. And she was laughing like... This is not funny, lady. Yeah, like, this, this is not is funny. He doesn't son. have boundaries. That, yeah, like he has that no you boundaries. Didn't set. And then she would get mad when he wouldn't like listen to her. Or he would like yell at her, and they would get into it. He like he don't. I'm like, well, you sitting here treating him like he's, he's your man. man, opposed to treating him like your son. And again, that's why I say like, I, I really feel like I talked to somebody about this earlier. I feel like there's a lot of factors that contributed to single parent households in the black community. Majorly, the war on drugs, um, police, you know, police killings, all kind of other shit. But yeah. So we've had a, you know, to kind of... Reaganomics. Yeah, yeah, that too, Reaganomics. So we've had that kind of going against us for a while. So, yeah, we're just kind of starting to play catch up when it comes to the black home and black family. I was grateful enough to grow up in a two-parent household. I was literally one of four kids in my neighborhood. It was me, Mario, me, Mario, Dexter, and I think one other person who, it was literally out of my whole neighborhood it was four of us who lived with, the, with both parents that was it everybody I would go to school and they'd be like you live with both of your parents like yeah like what the fuck so, it so was, you got a dad yeah well, alright no, he I, did not R.I.P. Donnery yeah. uh-huh. I mean to your father. 
Thank you, appreciate it. Yeah, I just definitely feel like, um, like having sons has definitely shaped, begin to shape like my view on how I'm beginning to see men and how I see black men. And again, like I said, my my sons, for whatever reason, because I have absolutely no idea, my husband is darker than me, and somehow I have very light-skinned babies. They are rather fair-skinned. <laughs> they are rather fair-skinned, <laughs> and I want them to understand the nuances between um, us living in a colorist society, but us and them benefiting from colorism, but them still having to deal with the fact that they are black men yes. in America. Because at the end of the day, the white people are like, oh, they don't you. give a fuck. You still in there. And <laughs> you're still your dad's an immigrant, and mm -hmm. you speak Spanish, and this is the this is the world that you you live in, and so there are so many nuances um, and intersectionalities in their identity that I want them to make sure that they embrace but nevertheless black men they are in america and with them being black men i want to create i want to cultivate a space and curate a space in which they feel safe and home and, and we, we need i feel like you need to start like well i feel like you're more suited than, to this than me because you're more of a community activist like you gotta i don't know you it just seems like you're more eloquent in how you deliver messages and stuff but i feel like I really wish we could start a movement. Like, you know, it was jokingly, but they had the thing online where it was like, oh, black men frolicking. I don't know if you saw that. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. So, that's, so that was a word that Oliver used. So, oh, Oliver yeah. literally says that him and the, he'll like, he'll text me um, and he'll send me like videos and I'll ask him, you know, what are y'all doing? How are y'all, how are y'all doing? He was like, oh, we're just frolicking. And it's just like him and the boys having a good time. And I love that for them. So, I love that for me. Yeah. And that's why I say like we as a community, as a whole, we just need to change our mindset and like start some kind of campaign or something to where, I don't know, it's, it has to be some name for it again. Well, this is what I but, mean by, um, I was thinking of like having, um, affirmation. Ah, mm -hmm. uh, like um, but something like that where we have like affirmations affirming um, black people in general and um, but again black I, I feel like some black men feel as though they don't I ain't gonna say they, they don't feel like they deserve to, to feel their emotions but they just don't feel like no they don't cause even me like I, I used to feel like man what's the point like why I'm gonna talk about it it don't matter like fuck it it don't even make the difference because there's like, always you know gonna saying? be like one person that's gonna fuck it up yeah for sure yeah, and yeah, I yeah. think that you just have to do it anyway it, it, that's, that's what you're I just gonna like, have to just, show up happen. the way that you want to anyway and mm. people are going to adjust to you exactly. I and who am I as a woman that I say like I don't like um, feminism I, I've said it before I don't really stand for feminism as much so maybe I, I'd say that I'm a hood feminist or something like that because mm. I did read a book called hood feminism if you haven't read it definitely check it out but um it talks about how feminism doesn't include gun violence feminine we are suffering from gun violence it includes how feminism doesn't include hunger when black women are suffering um and hungry and we live in food deserts and so on and so forth but like i i do always wonder like okay well how am i supposed to give a black man a voice um to be able to express himself the way that he wants to for sure and um for one i what i try to do with at least my sons is affirm them and say those affirmations like i said the same affirmations that the same um tactic that i use of going in the mirror and saying i jamia am enough i am i jamia am that girl i jamia am balance all of those things i tell i feel like what what did um what does the bible say in genesis 
um and god said let there be light and so there was what did what does the bible talk about um there's life and death in the tongue like this is something that i talk on talk about on my podcast so if we're saying these things and we're declaring them as true then i feel like whatever it is that i speak on to my children they're going to speak that on to themselves i am their first like I am their first voice quite literally because they grow in my womb and I make the determination of whether or not they're going to live in this world. So I do believe that like at some extent our black mothers are responsible, our black women are responsible for how their black sons uh, decide to decide to express themselves and that's why I feel like it's my res- a portion of my responsibility, not even a portion, it is my responsibility to make sure that they have the tools with using affirmations and speaking the truth into themselves. No, you make a very good point because, like, I love my mother and, like, like shout out my mother. Um, I think she more so, like, I have four brothers, but she more so just raised us because my mother was born in 1955. She was born in the South. So when she raised us, she was more so raising us in the aspect of, like, oh, survive. Like, you know, like, because literally that's what all black people was kind of doing in the South back then was just surviving. You know what I'm saying? Like, I know that, not all black people, but at least... My Most mother, definitely. Yeah. Like, like we're that, not the bourgeois people exactly. that are able to we are fortunate enough to to be lifted up and go to college and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, but I, was, it doesn't, well, I went to college as a football thankfully. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We we're not gonna talk about that. But I'm just saying my mother as a whole, she didn't her her whole thing was like when you go out into the world, she would always tell me like, Oh, don't sag your pants, I don't look like a thug and don't give the people a reason to uh make you to think that you this and that and like it more so she was like trying to like like I said like tell you to assimilate to survive so that way like they didn't persecute you for your blackness type shit and I'm not saying like I I don't agree with that because when I went to college and I turned 18 I found my own voice and I legit was doing everything I could to be as black as possible but it's just like I said my mother she she was a very just soft-spoken woman now my father he was very outspoken on black issues and he always taught us to stand up and be a man my mother was never like the like she wasn't like you let's put it that way i love my mother she was more of a homemaker she was very soft-spoken she wasn't really like didn't get involved in politics i think that there's multiple ways to get to the right answer um and i say this like even in activism like there is the activist that is literally standing outside all day um screaming at the top of their lungs not moving from you know whatever building it is that they're they're protesting or whatever cause they're protesting but then there's the people that decide to kind of emerge themselves and put them having a black police officer Mm -hmm. saying like okay fine i'm gonna be the body if it's i'm gonna be the body that fills up the police force i'm gonna be the body that represents um black people in congress i'm going to you know they they kind of emerge themselves um in the system so that they can fix what they feel like you know is a systemic issue um and then there are people that do a mixture of both right but yeah. like I said, she was just more so scared because she had five sons like five black sons i'd song. be terrified <laughs> in i don't we live in washington yeah, yeah so i mean and honestly boy this is the south in the 90s and 80s too so well, early 2000s but again like I said I'm not again hope my mama don't hear this but mama I'm not trying to talk bad about you I'm sorry mama my mama not a coon no but- well I well the reason why I say that is cause and you know what that's another thing that we have to talk about because I feel like like you you are always when we when we're talking about something that is serious you definitely use comedy as your um I guess defense mechanism exactly but like what I was before we get into that what i was saying is that like i definitely have 
things that I know about myself that my husband can't stand. Like, mm. I want to create a space for him, but he's like, Jamia, please leave me alone. Like, <laughs> please stop trying to psychoanalyze me. I just want to be like, I just want to be. And so I know that my children are going to be like, mom, not right now. <laughs> are you sure you don't want to talk about it right now? Well, whenever you want to talk, oh my God, when they're probably going to stay, you know, virgins. I'm praying for see, it I'm because I'm going to be like, are you sure you don't want to have sex? Here's condoms. And I'm just going to make it awkward that's for them. Crazy. And that's no, that's not crazy. what they that's want. That's like the opposite of my mother. Like my mother didn't talk about shit. Like we didn't discuss shit. She was like, I don't want to know shit. I'm not your friend. Don't talk about sex to me. <laughs> and I'm like, my I'm husband like, is definitely like, don't take out Sanko. Analyze me. I know that my kids are going to be like, mom, you're making this awkward. Like, cause yeah. I, I want to have that connection with them and I want them to be Look, nigga, my kids murder somebody. Like, we gonna hide the body. It's all right. It's all right. Yeah, yeah. I love you. I respect that. Like, um, my and- mama said she was snitching me. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, nah, I swear to God. So since no, you're no. a jokester, though. No, all right. So look, one time I, was, I told my mama, I was like, Mom, if I ever uh, committed a murder, like, would you, would you hide me? She's like, Nope. If the people uh, want you, she's like, they come and get you. And she's like, she's like, Well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't tell her which you, where you at, but I ain't about to help you hide. <laughs> I'm but not nah, gonna man. tell him where you at, but I'm. I guess I love my mom. My mama, she had a like, she kind of had a hard upbringing a little bit because she, her mother died when she was four. She, was, her father wasn't dead, so she was raised by her mother. I mean, her grandmother and her aunt. So yeah, like my mother, people don't believe me when I say this. My mama didn't hug us coming up. So I'm like, my mom, I don't remember hugging my mom until I was like, like maybe 15. That my, is so. I weird. kid you not. Like I would go to hug my mom and she'd be like, "Boy, get out of here with that." <laughs> you know what's really I know interesting? It's not funny, but. You know what's really interesting though? Because like, I get, there's something called being like touched out. I get like sensory overload. And we say all of these like words, but I really, it's just like the language. We're able to like give language to what we're experiencing. But imagine carrying a baby for nine months and they won't stop moving. Like they're just there. And then you need to hold them all the time. And then their snotty face, runny nosed and you have to like they're crying and wailing as toddlers and then they're afraid to go to school at six and and so like at some point you get like really touched out and i feel bad but like i don't really i can't most moms that i talk to they don't really want to hug on their kids either i get i was the six i was the last of six children and my she mother was just touched but out, i mean bro. she was never an affectionate woman at all you can ask my older brother my mother it wasn't until my brother Dean R.I.P. he passed away that we actually like started to get in touch with our emotions and feelings. Cause honestly, before that, we never even told each other we loved each other like on a daily basis. Like on, I don't know about if you and your family had a relationship where y'all tell each other I love you. When y'all see Every each single other. time we yeah, get so, off like, the phone. That's why I say like growing up, like I don't know what it was about my household, but we were not a very emotionally mature people. Like we didn't tell each other we loved you. Like. We didn't really like we were a close family, but it just it was weird. Like, and I don't want to end my family dirty business, but I'm just being honest. Like, I think that it's really interesting because most black men that I talk to, they don't have the sort of relationship that I have with my mom. Yeah, where it's like really close to the point that we butt heads, but it's okay that we're butting heads right now. Yeah, I think I've only ever butted heads with my mom one time, and yeah, because normally I would just shut my mom and I say shit, but I I got to the boiling point where I just couldn't say shit anymore. But I'm glad that you and your mother have a relationship where y'all can be open and honest. And I get to that point, but 
I don't know, my mother is just, it's weird because, like, as a baby, I ain't gonna lie, as a baby, she was very affectionate. Like, my mother loves babies. So, like, as a baby, very affectionate. But I kid you not, once I turned, like, maybe two or three years old, that shit was done. That's so that what shit, I was gonna say. Like, like, cut, like, at what point <laughs> do we stop? When I was making the hot dog joke. Yeah. At what point do we look at our black boys and tell them that they're too old for that yeah, and they're I, no longer cutesy right. for this and they're no and that's doing too much because i wonder like for for women it's a different experience for for girls coming up it's definitely a different experience um and that's an that's a later topic mm. but because i feel like girls get grown just saying um by accident on purpose also <laughs> <laughs> but um i wonder like dang i really hope that you know, my son doesn't want to, like, when is my son going to want to stop sleeping in the bed with me? Like, when is it, when is that weird? And why? Because that's my baby. Yeah. I mean, like, if you're 15 and you just, that's you yeah, sleep. That's, that's a if you're 15 and you're sick, you can come play with, well with your mom. It's how I feel. It's, that's genuinely how I feel because I just, I don't, I'm not there yet, but I already know, like, if you're sick, I want to. You know, I'm just gonna want to cuddle with you, and then also too, I grew up with um, my godmom. She's a very affectionate woman, and she'll like love up on all of the boys in our family. And she, her grandson, my um, godbrother, she loves up on them. She whispers in their ears and tells jokes. And I hope to be that person with my sons, no matter what age they are. I hope that we can keep that banter, the that um, sweetness going, yeah. because like. How dare my boys not be sweet in this world that is so bitter? Like, it's so... I, Ayo, this podcast is called Poetry, Pros, and Politics. Sometimes there's pros, but that was definitely some, po- um, some poetry <laughs> right there. We're going to get into the politics of it. But, like, for real, I, I really hate it. I really... It hurts my feelings. Um, and in regards to feelings, you joke yours out. Like, you just laugh at your feelings. Um, can you talk about your... Uh, comedy and your stand-up and what it is that like you do because a lot of your sets are you laughing at yourself to a certain extent mm, yeah i mean i guess it depends on what we're talking about but yeah i like i said i did one set where i talked about like growing up with my dad and how like he wasn't necessarily like he wasn't one of those dads when he came home he just beat you for no reason if he had a reason <laughs> to beat you he was gonna beat you <laughs> well that's I'm good messy. that's good because you know some of us be coming up with drunken yeah yeah so like my dad wasn't like he wasn't like a drunk like he was just coming like somebody gonna pay for this god damn it no nah, he wasn't like yeah, that that's but great. if you got suspended from school or if you did some shit and he had the t- oh, opportunity to be like he was yeah, gonna yeah. beat you up <laughs> so, like, but he also was just a very like like, I think he was trying to prepare us for the world because he wasn't a very, like, emotionally available person. Like, he would talk and shit like that. My dad would do random shit. Like, you'd be walking around the house and he'd just, like, elbow you in the chest. Like, just to, <laughs> just to make sure you was on guard. <laughs> that is terrible. And you know what's crazy? They found that, um, they found that at a very young age, um, babies have a reflex to, like, hold on to, um, to, to grip mm. um, and maybe it's the the reflex that comes from when they literally when we were possibly apes uh, if you believe in that theory <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're not gonna get into that we're not gonna get yeah. into that though uh, because I'm not trying to anyways um, the earth is flat y'all <laughs> shout out Kyrie I'm just, Irving I'm just joking bro but um, yeah so they have a grip um, 
reflex so that they can hold on to their parents and I think that is really interesting because majority of the time like we will test boys and we won't test girls and say oh he's so strong mm -hmm. and that's such an interesting thing that we that we do that to boys for manhood it's fucking handsome muscled and <laughs> <laughs> muscled and and I guess yeah that's normally what we think um but Shout out to yeah, the short kings out there. Shout out, Charles. I'm, 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 I'm I, the only the only short king that I could think of, he got decrowned. What's his name? Um, Tory Lanez. Uh, I yeah. think he's getting deported too. So yeah, he got decrowned and deported because he shot Meg. So. It's gonna be bad for Tory, man. No, nope. you got in trouble <laughs> last time. <laughs> Do you want to explain your? Because you explained it to me really well. You said that it wasn't because... No, no, all right. I'm be, like I said, I, I feel like a lot of people bring gender into this. And again, I like I love black women. I, I, my mother's black. I know black women. Like I love black women. So it has nothing to do with gender. It has everything to do with me being a piece of shit. And like... like <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, oh, man, that, that, no, no, no. That's a, <laughs> no, because I'm saying like I, there are other rappers that we that have killed people. Like King Vaughn killed people. And we still openly support King Vaughn. Like R.I.P. to him. Like Boosie kills somebody. Like there's a lot of people. No, I'm sorry. Not you, Aaron. I'll no, look, allegedly, it. allegedly killed somebody. But let's just say there's a lot of other people. Even the Melly kid stabbed somebody. Yeah, so like, did he stab somebody? Like a lot of like, actually, did he shout somebody? At? He stabbed somebody too. My bad. We're not going. Anyway, <laughs> I say that to say that it's not allegedly. because it's not allegedly. It's not because Megan is a woman. It's just because like. Biasly, I like Tory's music, and I just want him to be the case. Like, it has nothing to do with Megan being a woman. Like, it, what he did was wrong. Like, we know that, but like, again, it's just I think up how we I do. think the nuance in it is that black women experience literal feminicide. Feminicides is that the word? Feminicide. Yeah. Uh, where they get killed just for being a woman. Like yeah, their yeah. their identity as a woman, and this happens like to women that are transgender women because niggas be lying talk about they didn't want to be with that transgender woman and yes the fuck you did you know you knew what she was when she was because she told you like but anyway that's a whole nother story um or like um just um people that women that shut men down that say that they don't want to be with them they get hurt in situations yeah. specifically because they're a woman and Street stuff is street stuff, and this yeah, exactly. is that's this how is a different. Well, that's not the reason why I say that it's different, and I'm this is my debate portion of it is because like when we look at the six nine case, the reason why six nine I feel like was a rat was because you said that you were about that life. Mm -hmm. You literally inserted yourself into being a blood because you just so desperately wanted to be a part of gang culture, and then you snitched. You snitch. Am I sick? I'm a snitch. Jamia gonna snitch. Yeah, Jamia's a way because I am a civilian. <laughs> yeah. This is not my life. Oh, my daddy was doing some stuff, but my daddy did that but stuff. You, you know what? Does. It helped. It helped me grow up and stuff like that. Did he? He went to jail. He went to jail for 17 years. I'm not about that life. Mm -hmm. I'm not about going to jail for 17 years. I'm a regular civilian person. Like I'm not in these streets. Please don't come to me. I might be in the streets. My business, yeah. but I'm not. <laughs> I'm not in these streets. I'm not a part of gang culture. So because of that, yeah, I'm definitely going to snitch. But if I had inserted myself in gang culture and I said like this was what it was that I wanted to do, ten toes down, I was going to be this. Then what are you doing? <laughs> All right, now well, let me. I think that thing. it's different because Meg, she's not yeah, yeah, that. Right. She's an artist. So it, Meg, shot then, again. Tory, let's just be clear. Tory Lanez was wrong for shooting Meg. I'm not just King Von shot people in the yeah, street. Yeah, he definitely shot people. 
when all these all of these people allegedly and they shot street because they were street niggas it's the difference when you're bringing street mentality into regular civilian industry stuff I you know what I'm saying? So let me ask you this. So if it was a situation like with Cardi B, because Cardi B has came out and claimed like blood and shit like that. She called herself a party, which I don't know if she's actual, but she even wore red in the video. Like mm-hmm. she didn't party, Cardi. And then they 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 bought her name up in the 6ix9ine kids. We're not going to talk about that. But so if Cardi B came out and some beef shit happened and somebody shot Cardi B, would, would it be justified being that she, well not justified, but would it be like similar to what you're saying because Cardi B has claimed gang ties and she's claimed to be like a gangster first of all i think gangster is stupid as hell um i have to say that like just in general mm-hmm. i think that gangsters was a whole thing that you know the mafiosos did back in that's probably not a, a, an appropriate term but like that was like mafia shit that was like not yeah we had gangsters too but like our gangsters in the 70s when we're talking about the Bloods and the Crips, the Bloods and the Crips were too... Um, but they, they originated something like positive. They, the Crips were community response and progress, and it got started by two people. And the Bloods have ties from the Black Panthers and the Black So Houston. you're talking about you're talking about two um, two. I guess I, I compare the Bloods and the Crips to to our government to to literally blue and red to literally the democrats and the republicans because at the end of the day the root of it all is that we're wanting to we're they're wanting to find a peaceful way for democracy um bloods and crips were ensuring that um we were able to survive in in america right like we as black people in the same way democrats and republicans were wanting to create to create a create liberty for us right but are maintain the liberty for us. Um, somewhere along the way, you know, the Republicans decided that they were going to be selfish. Somewhere along the way, the Democrats wanted to appease everybody very desperately, and also too wanted to only appease to themselves because they also want money. Um, I'm not either. I'm definitely independent. Um, <laughs> and so, with that being said. I definitely feel like yeah, Bloods and Crips at some at some point in time decided that they were going to be a little bit more self-serving to the detriment of their community, and that's exactly what the what our government is doing because <laughs> they're definitely gang culture too. Um, I don't I don't stand for it. I don't stand for for gangs. I don't. Oh no, stand, I don't stand for gang. I'm just. Like, I don't stand for gang violence. I think that is stupid that we kill that rappers kill rappers. I think that is stupid. If Boosie was to die today, all oh, nigga would be hurt. I'd be hurt. No, I'm saying me, nigga. I'd be hurt. That's what I'm saying. Like, but we we, we justify like, like I said, we as humans justify situations. Again, I'm I'm guilty of it too. That's why I want to know. So if 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 Cardi B was to be in some shit, I'd be hurt. I'd be hurt. No, I'm saying, but would it be like how I put this? We wrong no matter what. But would the would the gender aspect be less of a factor if it was Cardi B because she has game ties? Um. The reason why I think that it's different is because, well, actually, no, I don't think that it's different. Cause when, um, when Quavo watched, what I'm gonna call it, 
that the nigga that wasn't left off of bad and bougie help me out <laughs> take off see and i had to make a joke out of it i'm sorry i had to make a joke out of it because i can't because that really hurt me nah, when nipsey died i cried yeah. i cried I hard like, actually, when take off died i cried cause like damn bro like take off was a cool nigga like he seemed like like he seemed that he was just chilling like and he got killed and he got killed shit. for nothing like it was a stray bullet like pisses let, me let, off. let's just get like Away so from the Cardi situation, but that's just talking RP takeover, RP Rocket Man. With with that being said, um, I think that it's really I don't the reason why I feel like it's different is because literally King Von was still in it. He did not remove himself. Mm-hmm. The reason why I think that is different is with a lot of drill rappers is because they're literally still in it. Um, what's it called? Lil Teke was literally running from bro, the race. Yeah, we, talk- <laughs> we talked <laughs> he about that. He was literally bro. running from a race. Oh, and you want to know what's crazy? They said he actually could have had a chance of beating the case if he, if he did, did the race. <laughs> if he would have cut off his ankle monitor and did the race, he actually could have maybe stood a chance. He was literally, he was literally in it. Like but, you're in the mix. It's stupid. But it's very dumb, but you're whole, in it. But that kind of goes back to that whole toxic. We're well, not toxic. That whole way of thinking as a black man. He like, oh, I'm a tough guy. Like I'm about to show these niggas. Like fuck. Instead, like we don't. My it's almost like you're not thinking logically. You're thinking emotionally. You're not thinking. With, is like, it even emotionally? I think that because my my professor, she's from Chicago. Shout out mm-hmm. to Dr. Taylor, Kamara Taylor. Mm-hmm. I love you. Um, she's the best woman that is she's out here old. in the game. She's a She's an awesome um, psychologist, and having a conversation with her, she she talked about how like kids in Chicago they just want to be memorialized. Yeah, okay. they don't even want to. It's almost like they don't going even out. Care. It's almost like kind of like you, you. Are you familiar with the story of Achilles? How he wanted to go out like in the blaze of glory, like he'd rather die in battle than die like old, die of old age. I guess it's the same thing. Like these kids in Chicago want to be like remembered, and they want to be immortalized in like the hood quotations around hood. But they want to be mortalized, and instead of doing it in the right way, like going to school and like getting a degree and like becoming like somebody in your community that people can look up to. Go, okay, that's it. Instead of dying yeah. old and just being able to be happy, that yes, like, and I think that it has definitely something to do with the fact of where we come from, seeing stuff happen to us every single day. Like, again, I started smoking i smoked weed at 11 was the first time i smoked weed but like i could when i continued smoking when i started actually smoking heavily at 17 it was because i was really using like this was i should have been prescribed like xanax or something or zoloft or whatever that's it that's what it was for me it was my sense of medication it was me giving myself the medication that i felt like i deserved and so i definitely understand the plight of black children who don't even they can't even they can't even imagine making it to 30 yeah and god bless it i'm almost i'm almost 30 in in praise be crazy like even even people i know like like I know a lot of people that they, they say to themselves like they can't imagine themselves at old age. I heard one rapper say that you can't imagine yourself old. It's like a lot of people feel this way. It's like they rather just I don't know how to. It's put not it. even that we'd rather. We're not it's rather. That we but are in a situation in which, and I I think that it's extremely interesting because now I'm like literally going to college and all this mm-hmm. other stuff. Like I'm married with kids. Like I'm living the life that I I literally say I'm living my best white life. But why? is this what we think of as a white life mm-hmm. just like um ddg why is it that he's 
why is his emotions like some Tom Cruise shit? Like, yeah, like does he why is it not to attached feel, to blackness? Yeah. Is he not good enough to feel his emotions? Like, is he not entitled? So that that's the kind of the, the central thing I'm trying to get is like we need to hop with it. especially as black men, we need to kind of give ourselves more grace and feel as though yes, like you said earlier, affirmations like I deserve to be happy, like I deserve to live a good life, like I deserve to be able it's to. It's literally in myself, our constitution, you know which is not written for us. Yeah, facts, <laughs> three fish, but, but it was. So I'm just saying, like we as black men, we if we start practicing these affirmations, actually believing. Like I said, that's the. I, me personally, I, don't know, I didn't believe, like, two, three years ago, I didn't believe that I was, like, deserving of happiness. I didn't believe I was deserving of, like, certain shit. Like, I just thought, like, you know, I was and then you supposed tell to live a hard life. Like, yeah, but then you start telling yourself, like, man, I deserve this, I deserve this, and you actually begin to believe it. And then that, people don't realize, like you said, the, the tongue is a powerful thing, and words hold power. And I'm firm believing that at this point in my life. Like, if you... If you speak it into existence, I feel like it is very, it is more likely to happen if you speak it into existence. Like Einstein said, if you believe you, wait, was it Einstein that said that? I don't know. Somebody said it. If you believe you are, or if you believe you aren't, you're right. So, yeah. you know what I'm saying? The man that believe he is and the man that believe he isn't, um, they're both right. Also, too, um, there's, there's so many thoughts that, um, in regards to, like, this whole podcast talks about, um, talks about that. It talks about how... We, we have ideologies, uh, for example, um, Lao Tzu said, he's a Chinese philosopher, he said, watch your thoughts, they become your words, watch your words, they become your actions, watch your actions, they become your habits, watch your habits, they become your character, and watch your character because surely it will become your destiny, and his, I guess his name meant like old master, but um, I say all of that to say is that like, again when we think of what is supposed to be masculine when we think of like what a man is supposed to be a black man specifically when you show up and we're we're the ones that are determining the characters and the attributes that we deem as masculine we are the ones that are saying like this is what it is so if we're that person that's saying this is what it is surely somebody's going to just show up and or surely when you decide to show up in and be that particular way that you want to to be then everybody else is just going to conform around you sure you're going to get a girl that's going to say that you're zesty you're going to get somebody else that's going to say that you're you're saucy but remember when you started like setting boundaries Mm -hmm. and they just they weren't used to those boundaries so just like you've started setting those boundaries whereas i'm not gonna let this fuck nigga like try to do something to me i'm not gonna let this person like try to one up on me in in all these sorts of different ways when you started setting those boundaries people had to shift when you set those boundaries so why can't you also create the person that you want to be if you already have the tools in your tongue you know what i'm saying and and with that yeah most definitely if you if it's saucy for you to tell yourself in the mirror i am um this i am greatness i am powerful let it be saucy and then let then (laughs) let everybody else think that you're saucy and then when it's normalized because unfortunately we are as black people we're we're the cool we're the trendsetters then let us be the trendsetters and let us stop including like this fuck shit in our music because the reason why the fuck shit even exists in our music is because the labels want to ensure that they're disenfranchising us and then putting us in prison because guess what label companies own as well the prison prison. (laughs) so why don't we then decide to say like when are we going to take our own freedom 
if our freedom is given out to everybody else <laughs> when are we going to take our own freedom and i think that is this is what i mean by like me wanting to speak it into my son and let letting my son be zesty Damn, you, she's been facts right now. I, she really giving me a whole new way of thinking right now. Cause I, I'm, I'm looking like, yeah, like, like I said, my whole way of thinking has always been like, as a black man, you have to be this way, you have to be hard, you have to go out into the world. But you really are giving me a new way of thinking. Like, fuck that, like set boundaries and like let people adapt to those boundaries. Like, we don't have to adhere to those stereotypes and shit like that. Like, damn. Also, too, like when we think about when we think about a quote unquote masculine man and like heteronormalcy, right? Y'all are supposed to be disciplined. Is that not discipline? Is controlling your mind and who you perceive yourself to be not being disciplined? Yeah, it is. So why, do, why, and I'm not saying that I have the answers. I'm not saying that feminist, um, that uh, being a feminist is, is the answer. I'm saying like as a hood feminist, because like specifically Heminous? in, yeah, a feminist. <laughs> not <laughs> no. a feminist. No, not a starting a podcast called feminist. God damn. Oh Sorry, God, that was blasphemous. But anyway, no. sacrilegious. Anyways, like not saying that it is a like feminine, uh, a feminist movement is supposed to be fixing man's problems. But when are we going to just? embrace it and it, if embracing femininity is the key <laughs> if it's feminine then fuck it embrace it because we get to like everybody healing except for you yeah you living in a world where the world is turning into peace and you're still a daisy cutting flowers like in the garden why fuck that i'm about to go to my softball here Software, <laughs> hashtag software era hashtag, hashtag uh, black men frolicking hashtag like all that shit hashtag nigga flowers god damn it like do it is is all I'm saying and I don't know this is what I am doing for my black sons this is what I encourage for I don't have the answers hopefully men can um, explore more on this topic like once you hear it you can just say with comedy, laugh at it and say ha ha ha, but I'm happy. Ha ha ha, but I'm healed. Yeah, that's usually how a ha ha healed. <laughs> like I said, I can laugh at it because like I said, I've, I've healed from it, so it's easy to laugh at it when, when you when you heal from it. So. But with that being said, um, I've enjoyed this conversation with you so much. Please let the people know where that they can follow you on your podcast, uh, listen to your jokes, all of that. Uh, yes. Yeah, so okay. Um, you can follow me on Instagram at. Duddy B Walden. That is D U T T Y B W I L D I N. Duddy B Walden. Uh, and they should have the link there for my YouTube page. I got. I'm be honest. With you, I got to get more organized when it comes to my social media. I'm not a social media guy, but I'm getting better. So yeah, follow me on Instagram. Uh, subscribe to the YouTube page. Uh, yeah, I really appreciate me for having me on. I really enjoyed it as well. And make sure you check out his podcast. Oh, yeah. A podcast. Right. I was on the block. My fault. What's my your fault. podcast? My, my podcast called The Block. D A space B L O C K. The Block. So, yeah, we talk about, you know, relationships, uh, politics, social commentary, stuff like that. So, yeah, if you, you know, if you like this podcast, I'm pretty sure you might enjoy mine. So, check it out. The Block on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah, Just for enough. sure. And thank you so much for coming on to the space today, making space, um, talking about black frolicking black male frolicking black men soft boy era like if we're gonna make it a thing if if black people if white people get to um monetize off of like black 
uh, what's it called, like the black stereotype. Mm -hmm. Motherfucker, let let them monetize off of this shit. Exactly. Right. Let's give them some. <laughs> let's give them some. Let's give them some some healed shit then. Right. But anyway, uh, thank you so much for tuning into Poetry Post and Politics. I am your girl, the political poet, Jamie Zarzuela, and this has been another episode. Check you guys later. Bye. Peace. With COVID putting a damper on connecting and networking, I had to find a new way to business card. That's why I went with Link. My Link card allows me to share my podcasts, social media, websites, or whatever else about me while still keeping it safe and social distancing. The card's NFC capability allows me to share all of that in just a tap of the phone. And the QR code on the back lands people to a custom page that I've modified for Black Lives Matter or COVID updates. In fact, you can listen to this very episode up on there now. So say goodbye to handing out your old business cards and say hello to Link. And because you're a part of the Speak Free fam, enjoy a 15% off discount by using Poetry Pros at checkout. That's visiting linkapp.com and typing in Poetry Pros. That's L-I-N-Q-A-P-P dot C-O-M and typing in P-O-E-R-T-Y-P-R-O-S-E when you get like me and grab yourself a new way to business card. a wrap if you like this episode and want to hear more like it then don't forget to follow the show poetry post and politics at the political poet everywhere you are social that's t-h-a-p-o-l-i-t-i-c-a-l-p-o-e-t everywhere you are social this show is also aired on KTQALP 95.3 FM Tacoma, so you can always catch me over there on their airwaves, or you can listen to me wherever you stream your favorite podcast. Until next time, catch you later. <laughs>